Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. It's Ed Radio. We go to the last episode of the planet. We talked about even the sun, and the sun is not a planet. I know. So, last on the list, y'all should guess, is Pluto. Now, Pluto is home to Scorpio. And Pluto represents... The power of transformation. It also means power. Power itself. It means death also. This is a mystical planet. Just like Neptune. But even more so. Because someone asks, what is Pluto in relativity to the other planets? And this is the best answer. is that Pluto's shadow casts over all of the planets is powerful. The speed of Pluto's shadow is faster than Mercury's mind. This We're talking about the fastest in all of the solar system, and it goes to Pluto. In relation to Scorpio and Pluto, this is deep emotional power that is happening right here. And Scorpios are known to have emotional power, emotional depth. That's what Pluto could be in relations to them. Now, astrology-wise, I mean astronomy-wise, Pluto does have a magnetosphere. Very, very weak, though. It is actually not the coldest planet. I think Neptune is the coldest planet. So there goes another little fact. The moon is actually bigger than Pluto. Previously thought that Pluto was bigger than the moon, but no, it's just a little bigger. Wonder which is smaller, Pluto or Mercury? If I had to take a guess, Pluto's probably even smaller than Mercury. Because Pluto's considered a dwarf planet. The reason why it's considered a dwarf planet is because its magnetosphere isn't strong enough to clear a path for itself. So if it was stronger, it would technically be considered a planet. And also, uh, Pluto has a moon, Chiron. So, you know, don't feel bad for it. It's doing this thing out there in the world. And uh, I guess that's about it for Pluto. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is NNM Radio. I was doing some talk with y'all about the sun and some signs I could collaborate with the sun and some aspects with some signs in the sun and then I did Mercury so here we are at Venus now the signs that could collaborate or do I should say with Venus is Libra and Taurus and I have a little thinking theories you know, not fully formed, 
believing that one sign is like the shadow aspect and the other sign is like the face-up aspect. And I told you that with Mercury. Now, I believe, I guess, to assume that Libra could be... Or matter of fact, no, 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 no. Libra and Taurus equally share <laughs> Venus because Libra loves sharing. Taurus is like, you know, another aspect of Venus that does make the decision and does make things happen. It could compensate for Libra's indecisiveness. And Venus is what I would like to call a collaborative type of planet. As I told you with Mercury, it had its little theme. Well, Venus' theme is collaboration and relationship. So that's its superpower. It's That's its meaning. That's its symbol. And... Believe it or not, Venus isn't a pushover. In fact, Venus could be just as hostile as Mars, as y'all could predict how brutal Mars could be. <laughs> Venus, on the other hand, its brutality could be in a more manipulative way through a relationship. Now, if you can imagine a bully of some sort, bullying somebody into doing a bidding. And how toxic relationships could be. That could be Venus' bad side. After all, Venus is the hottest planet and the most toxic, volatile planet out there. I mean, its atmosphere is just so thick. It it also placates to the facade that Libras would do. Yep, that's how Venus could be. Venus is pretty, but there could be an ugly side to all that prettiness, and that's what Venus' symbolism and confertel, metaphorically speaking. And um, I guess that's about it. It could be short and sweet, just like that. I'll see y'all next time in the next episode where we'll go over the moon. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. And I'm ready. I'm your host. So we're talking about the planets. So we're going to go on to the next planet. We just talked about Jupiter, so here we are, Saturn, and the planet Saturn. It is ruled by Capricorn and Aquarius. So, Jupiter, shoot, sorry, Saturn rules over boundaries and control and time and power. Immaturity. It's also governed by the two signs, and the two signs promote governance and um, structure. 
productivity, Aquarius, fun-loving, innovative, could be talkative, but also Capricorn, it could be talkative, Capricorn could be a little mystic, and um, Aquarius could have a mystical life. So, what about Saturn for astronomy? Is it's heavier than what you... Matter of fact, no. Actually, Saturn is the lightest planet. If there was a bathtub of water that was big enough to fit Saturn, Saturn would float. And that's cool. So, um... What about Saturn? The rings of Saturn makes it appear bigger than what it is. Yep. Um, Saturn is a gassy giant, a ice giant planet. So very cold on Saturn. As you could predict, it takes longer for it to revolve around the sun. So in these time scales, it's a bit longer, and a lot of people who are into astrology rave about Saturn return more so than all of the other inner planets that we previously talked about, because it takes a little while for Saturn to get around. But when Saturn gets around, it's a big deal for a lot of folks, especially if it's a big deal in its own constellation or in somebody's natal or birth chart where Saturn was placed for them at their birth. And it takes about 27 years. Yep, about 27 years. You know, other people out there, they're jumping up and down and screaming, saying it's a different number. But, you know, I can't tell you the exact number because all the planets aren't really perfect year in, year out. So it may oscillate. Um, what else? You know what? To keep it light, short, and sweet for y'all to get to the point and not to delude what I just told y'all about what I know about Saturn and the signs governing it, I guess that's it. So the next plant we be talking about is Uranus, Uranus, or Uranus. Whichever one you want to pronounce it by, it's all correct, apparently. Hey, hey, Neptune. Let's see, we're going to go on and continue these planets. You know, I talk about Uranus, 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 whatever you want to call it. Okay. So, Neptune, Neptune War, Neptune. So, here we go. This is a planet. That is ruled by Pisces. Boom. So, Pisces and Neptune. The whole arc is like the dream. It could also be like the false reality. It could be like inception, deception. It could be all of that. It could be good and bad. You know, because a lot of people want to be in reality-based. They, they goals on, on tangible things. 
but also you could get some enlightenment from the false reality and translate it into your reality or the reality. Um, it could be like that. And that's what also Pisces' secret power is. These, these are the people that can see into other worlds. They see they spirit. They got a they got a more developed spirit life than all the other signs just based off of their sign. And, and I mean, you you have like whatever powers with with certain signs. And and all that, you know, signs with with, with different combination of planets. But the special thing about Pisces is it all ends with them also. So they got the last word on reality and what what happens. And you know what I notice is like these people is the blackest, the darkest of the darkest, the blackest of the blackest. You thought Scorpio was black. No, Pisces actually is darker. Like, infinite black. That is Pisces. Deep down inside. And every time when I look into a Pisces, I see that blackness. But sometimes, maybe because of my, my certain signs and, and planets, I can see into people. When every time when I see into a Pisces, I see a lot of trauma, like, like, like the type of things I don't even want to see or want to know. Like, like it, 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 it frightens me. Their, their inner world is nothing compared to anybody else. I lie to you not. These, these people are also bound to reborn. That is a blessing. So here we go. Alright. Oh yeah, tell y'all some at least something astronomy wise about Neptune that I at least know, you know, it's the color blue. It used to be like my favorite planet when I was very young and then other planets intrigued me, but that was like the first planet that intrigued me when I was a young child. You know, I can't really tell you anything that much. I need to research astronomy-wise more about Neptune. But, you know, all about that astrology. You know, I just told you all that. So we're going to be moving on to the last planet, Pluto. Hey, how y'all do? Last episode, we was talking about Martians. I'm not talking about science fiction, astronomy. Let's talk about astrology, zodiac signs, relations to planets. In this episode, we're talking about Jupiter. Jupiter, the biggest planet. It is not the densest, nor is it the heaviest, but it is the biggest. So the planet promotes expansion, learning, Traditionally by Sagittarius, sometimes by Aquarius. So, yeah, in relation to Sagittarius people, they, they like philosophy and stuff like that. And Aquarius, 
when they're doing really good or have a really good plan or an idea, it encompasses more than themselves. It gets bigger. And um, that's that's uh, really the short, sweet take you could take from uh, Jupiter. You know, how uh, to some astronomy. Well, as y'all could guess, the further away from the sun as we're going, as we're talking about planets, we're... Uh, yeah, around Jupiter, now we get to scales that is over a year. So the, the planet moves slower, obviously, than Venus and Mars. So when we get to, like, this planet, this planet could semi-be classified as a generational planet, but not really. This planet being out a little outside, well... Is no, isn't technically not considered an inner rotation planet in radius to the sun. It's outside of the Rocky Belt. So yeah, this planet is the closest within the outer planets. In astronomy, the planet is like the solar system's protector, especially in the for for the inner planets. Because it attracts a lot of moons, you know. So, converting that to astrology-wise, you know, people who have this quality about them, they could attract a lot, you know, a lot of other components. And, um, yeah, it's it's really about growing and expanding. For Sagittarius, it's about philosophy. You could apply you know some of not even like directly philosophy but as far as how you develop information on a wider scale than on mercury scale because mercury could be like one two bits could, could communicate with with each other you know a combination of the two bits could unleash you know all types of uh, communication through, you know, a combination of the ones and zero. Jupiter is like taking all of that information more into, like, into a book, philosophically speaking, or metaphorically speaking, I should say. <laughs> so, um, you know, Jupiter... Oh, I guess that's just about it. You know, anything else is just be keep rolling over the pavement of the same core concepts of what I want, you know, to express to y'all about uh, Jupiter in relation to astrology. So, yeah. Next episode, we'll be talking about Saturn. So, uh, hold on to your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yo. NNN Radio. We're going to be talking about your rawness. Your uranus or your anus. I know y'all some funny people out there. And be like, what is your rawness? Go on, say it. It's your anus. I don't care. I'm going to keep calling it your rawness. So. 
the signs that rule Uranus, Capricorn and Aquarius. So, as we know, Capricorn, the builder, the creative, sometimes a mystic, productive responsibility. Yes, maturity. Maternal love right here. Mature love. So you could think of Cancer as the mother. But uh, the sign Capricorn is actually female. She could be like the grandmother right there. And then you got Aquarius, the water bearer. A lot of people get it mixed up. And assume that the sign is water. But no, it is air. But I believe that the dichotomy with Aquarius is that the water element is with it and of it. And um, you must give the water. This is, this is the part of Aquarius right here. There is no Aquarius without the water. Bingo. So now, Uranus, ice planet. A pretty looking planet under some telescopes. It's the only planet that rolls around the sun instead of rotate like a spinning top, like all the other planets. This is also an official first generational planet. Like we said in the previous episodes regarding Jupiter and Saturn, yes, they do revolve around the sun slowly, but not as slow as Uranus. And by the time it takes Uranus to make a full rotation, we are looking at, I believe, 33, 44 years. So... The generation of Uranus comes in different ages, you know, like the age of Pisces. Now we're in the age of Aquarius, but far as age of Uranus, that whole rotation can be the span of some people's life. As we know, a lot of folks have died at an early age, or it could be the coming of age after a long time of a process. Uranus can take the element of Aquarius primarily because... Aquarius is the dominant ruler of that planet. Before it was even, uh, I was about to say creator, right? Before it was discovered. So, if you can imagine before that planet was discovered, the whole Aquarius role was was also being juggled with uh, Jupiter. Until the discovery of Uranus, and people began to associate that planet with this sign the Aquarius. So it brings change, innovation, creativity, fun loving. These are the things of Aquarius, but also like the planet Uranus that rolls different unlike any other planet, the Aquarius can also have this trait in them to be unique, to be the rogue as I would call them. Remember, Scorpios are the rebels. Aquarius is the rogue. All right. I believe that atmosphere holds a majority of methane and uh, maybe um, ammonia is in the atmosphere. And, um, yeah, you know, maybe if he was to assume under the planet in the sign of Capricorn. Capricorn is innovative within themselves. They are different. Unlike all the other structures and programs they 
were a part of or even created, they do something different, something new. That could be a unique interpretation for that. All right. So I think I said everything I need to say, real short and sweet, about Uranus and the signs associated with it. So next planet we'll be talking about is Neptune. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Here we are, continue through the planets. Did the sun, did Mercury, did Venus, did the moon. And here we are, Mars. What's up, Martians? How y'all doing? So here we are. You got people. Well, let's start off with the sun. See, Mars is half and half. One half of it is Leo. And the other half is Scorpio. So you got one half that water and the other half that's that fire. You know, people have the Aries tendency. A lot of told you on some previous episodes. These fire people, strong people, they like leading the path. They don't like being in the back. And you got Scorpio. They actually don't mind being in the back. They prefer to be in the back. They prefer to be in the corner. These people are emotional on the inside. The Aries is emotional on the outside. Yeah. So when the emotions are flipped for each size, it is all bad. They must be masters of their energy. Scorpio of inner energy, inner power, and Aries of outer passion. They they show passion that inspires all of the signs. So, Mars. Mars, Mars, Mars. It's a cold planet. It's also fast. Faster than you think. Not as fast as Mercury. Shoot, we'll get to Pluto soon. Matter of fact, Pluto will be the last one. Now think about it. If I had to take guess, which planet is faster, Mars or Pluto? Well, Pluto is the shadow self of Mars and Mercury. Matter of fact, Pluto could be an essence of all three of those. Interpersonal plans, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. It's like the older brother with all the experience and the power when he comes walking through that door on Thanksgiving. Everybody else got humble little jobs or they're in their university doing their thing in their little relationship. You can see Venus. And here come Pluto with all that experience and transformed themselves in every situation they ever crossed. But hey, we'll save Pluto for another episode. This episode really going to be about Mars now. I don't told y'all the signs. Mars is like a rocket planet's Earth flight. Very cold. 
There is no magnetosphere. It is, there's a lot of radiation. They got valleys and mountains. Not taller on Mars than it is on Earth. Yeah, it's very cold. Very cold, dude. Found water on Mars like way back in the 70s, so that's old news. They also found life on Mars. But it isn't classically what you would expect life is to be defined. So, anything else? I have no idea. You know, it's just little snapple facts I could tell you about Mars on astronomy, no? It rotates slower than the Earth, it's farther away. And it sits outside of the Rocky Belt, the Asteroid Belt. So, yeah. I did forget about the door planet series. I guess I'll do an episode next on that. So look forward to that. I'll be out. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. It's been a while since I touched back with you some more esoteric. And I went over the signs. None other than that. I went over the signs two times, I believe first time was like early in the year and then I did it again like uh, this later year so I'm like all right let me uh, move on and talk about the planets now first planet I, I believe respectively and some would say this is just a western thing is the sun is your ego how you present yourself we all know is ruled by Leo and I gave y'all my opinion on Leo, folks, Leo, you know, I just been happen to attract Leo energy. So people who are Leos, they, they tend to gravitate towards me. They tend to admire me and um, e- even um, be affectionate and fall in love with me. And I, I'm sorry for even starting, but I feel like I got to finish the point and hopefully this will help you out. It's because what I notice is that even though my sun sign isn't Leo or my moon sign or even my rising sign, I believe the reason why is because of once when I begin to talk to y'all about houses and also once when I begin to talk to y'all about your birth natal chart, about um, your signs in combination with planets. So this might be advanced, but it, it, it all, like what I'm telling you now, it doesn't mean that you have to be a Leo to like a Leo or you have to be one of those corresponding uh, signs to, to like another. Um, what I'm trying to say is that there could be a, a different combination of things. So my Leo or my sun energy is very strong and... For for those that have a big ego, you have very strong Leo energy and, and whatnot. And, you know, I'm not saying that I have a, a big ego. It's um, really more inward, emotionally in my brain. A lot of conversations I have, 
I uh, find myself reflecting on some positive things in my life or positive aspects in, in my life that uh, I admire. So, you know, there's there's a difference between how other people see you, how you see yourself, and the combination of those two vary it. And that, that would um, put a bow onto understanding your sun energy, aka your Leo energy. Now, also, quick um, remark, you know, once when I saw or thought about the concept of an airy sun, I was like, whoa, this sun is, like, so powerful. So, you even have, like, combinations that that um, others would say, and also some cases in, in, in me, too, would, would agree are, are good uh, combinations of a planet and a sign. Um, to give y'all the answer, for me, I'm a Libra sun, and a lot would say it's debilitated. But it's actually not because I have a fifth house that is a Capricorn Saturn, so it's very at home, and it's it, it fills that that energy. And on top of that, my Leo sign is in Jupiter, so that whole sun thing it actually gets expanded upon. So you know, first glance or even me saying like I'm a Libra sun, you might assume that I lack sun energy or I lack ego. But but um, I guess in my case, and I have to see for others and do some more research, that that ultimately gets um, distributed and it balances itself out. So for me, I'm doing great on sun energy. If anything, I'm abundant from really one place to another place and on to the last place. It seems like my sun energy grows. And, and whatnot. So it, it'll be interesting to uh, get some feedback, also to do some more conversations about planets. And also, since I went on and gave y'all two different lessons this year about signs, hope maybe through me and hopefully through me, y'all get some understanding. Y'all have some um, help with that. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is NNM Radio. I'm your host. Last episode. Here to talk about planets. Uh, so you know, some sign relation to the planets. We talked about the sun, then we talked about Mercury, and we talked about Venus. And I told y'all the next episode will be about the moon. So moon could probably be ruled by Taurus. For some reason, every now and then I think Libra, but more importantly, Cancer. Cancer, I sort of forgot, could also rule sun, the sun, I should say. And some would beg to differ. But if y'all remember, Cancer is during the summer. Not the highest, as y'all know, Leo has that position. The position right before that is Cancer. And it, it, it ironically, being a water sign, it also rules that fire element, that season. But also Cancer could also more formally be ruled by the moon. Moon is emotion, and Cancer would take the front side, and you could say Taurus. Yeah, Taurus could take the back side of, of that. And also I noticed that when the moon enters into Taurus, 
it looks big, bright, powerful, mythical as hell. There's only two times when I look at the moon and I'm like, yo, what is up with the moon? There's some wild or crazy power coming from it. And then I look, it's either in Pisces or in Taurus, I notice. Moon today, I was like, okay, it's pretty cool looking in his little humble spot. And then I found out it was in Gemini, so it caught my eye. But not like when the moon is in Taurus or Pisces, if y'all ever notice that, all right? Like, especially when the moon is in Pisces, for some reason, the moon scares me. And when the moon is in Taurus, it's it's so powerful and it's type intimidating also. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's about emotion. It's about emotion isn't primarily thinking power it's it's something deeper than that it's almost like the undescribable it's this knowledge of information that we all tap into that is basically indescribable you have to show it and over long periods of time or even with the help of metaphors you can understand emotions so that's that's the significance in the enigma of the intelligence of emotion that uh, the moon brings or or even if you wanted to think about yourself. <clears throat> and it's hard to even talk about it, honestly, on a scientific or practical note, but we all know that it's a part of human society evolution and to neglect it, we suffer and to overburden it, we suffer, we notice. So, yeah, the, the, there goes the moon, it's short and sweet, anything else, you know. It's, well, here's some astron astronomy, is that the moon um, is hollow and that it lacks an exosphere. So, um, it, 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 that's the reason why it's beat down also, it's tidal locked, and the reason why it's tidal locked is due to the distance at the moon is relative to the earth if it was closer or farther away the moon we would know was spin but because it is at the distance that it is at it is tidal locked and the moon's gravity is so powerful that it also influences our oceans also the moon is moving farther and farther away from the earth <coughs> so its natural influence is um, growing weaker and weaker, even uh, towards our seismic wave zone. So, um, what's some other like size? You know, there's plenty of things, but how relative is it really? It's not that. It's just like Snapple facts <laughs> that I could give you about all type of astronomy. But uh, let's let's go on and put a cap on that. And uh, we'll wrap it up. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. So, um, we're on to the next plan. We're talking about planets. I remember I gave y'all, um, kept giving y'all, um, the signs in two different occasions. I think one in spring and then one in fall. So, I was like all right let's go on and move on to planets and um you know the planets 
they could hold different signs and um, different qualities, if you will. <clears throat> we went over the sun. So now we're on to the next, and that's Mercury. Um, the more I've learned about Mercury, the more I got interested in Mercury. Even before I got into astrology, talking about astronomy, I've been interested. And, um, like, ever since as a child, and this might be jumping ahead just a little, Pluto piqued my interest the most. And, um, obviously I <laughs> learned all the nine planets. So... You know, I didn't impede Mercury that much when I was younger. And obviously, um, because of the color blue and how popular that color is, maybe even amongst young folks, I liked Neptune. It piqued my interest, but just, you know, vaguely. So, um, let's wind back a little, just giving y'all some background. Mercury, um, so this planet could be ruled by Gemini or Virgo, or Virgo or Gemini, whichever way you want to see it. You know, I, I'm sort of thinking that planets could hold, like, yeah, you know, like I said, two, like, more than one sign, and the sign could be, like, a almost like a because the word isn't opposite obviously like almost like two different things that could be relatively the same and there are like two different sides to the same overall objective or object of reason so I think, like, you know, Gemini and Virgo, Gemini is, like, social, obviously, like Libra. And they they get a lot of positive things out of being highly sociable. And <clears throat> I believe for, like, Libra also, like, these... You know what, let me forget about Libra. We'll save Libra for another time. Gemini is like on a social scale. Not like, well, also like how you're interpreting it, but I was thinking, um, like, all right, really sociable for the day or not that sociable. I was thinking like on that scale. And um, I believe the high frequency positive is when they're at a high scale. I think also, you know, on the other side, you got Virgo that can be highly sociable through communication. And, you know, I for not forgot, but I hope y'all understand that's the big part about this um, Mercury element is the communication 
and when you communicate your thinking, you know, when we, well, you know, socially, we don't like it when people just talk off the tip of their tongue, not really putting any thought into their words. So I conclude that speech, communication, it's a thought process and it does originate from there. So it's really like a mental thing, more so. <clears throat> so, um, Virgo, I believe that when they get out of place or think too highly of themselves socially, that's when bad things happen. It's like, if also Gemini, because here's the word that could help them out socially is humble themselves. Because, you know, when Virgo collects all the information and they're databasing and they're analyzing and they apply that in the social realm, it, it, it could get bad, especially, especially when they're out of the element of analyzing, when they're out of the element of, of, yeah, because that, that is, you know, their whole junction. And also, you know, what I thought about is, like, when they analyze themselves. But, you know, um, here, 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 I, I'll tell you the, the objective about Virgo is you're at your highest point when you're able to criticize yourself in a net positive way. Your low frequency, obviously, is when you're criticizing yourself because I know that may sound very confusing. I, I hope I can articulate this thought for you. It's because <clears throat> some, I guess, some people, they would keep picking, keep picking at, like, a scab. And that, you know, is something that is of you that is improving, you know, constantly. So when you're like being over analytical and you're picking at your scab and when ultimately you're supposed to like heal, you know, you, you, like I use, you know, you're picking at it. So, you know, for, for your wound, for that side that you need to improve upon that, you know, you're being analytical, help that wound to heal, you know, like sterilize it, oil or cream, whatever type of wound you got put a band-aid on it and change your band-aid you know that that whole if you could take that metaphor <coughs> so from the higher point of your purpose objective is allowing other people's criticism be constructive towards you because whether you want to accept it or not, a lot of people, um, believe that you're, you're too harsh on yourself. So, you know, you, you tell them something, you show them something and you say, well, I got to do this and I got to do that about it, even though I'm showing you 
who I believe is a worthy enough draft because you're a perfectionist, you know, so you, you, it's, it's like so that the Virgo could learn a lesson from Taurus because Taurus is about completion. <clears throat> also Saturn, but in due time because it, it, the lesson when a Taurus is out of or in their low frequency is when they're impatient. And we all know that cartoon stereotype of, of the bull. So back to the Virgo, you know, once when you're able to allow, at least allow yourself to properly process and analyze the criticism in time, in due time, because, you know, that's also when you're at your low frequency is sudden things. You're very, you're smart and like you process, like you're naturally smart. A lot of people who are Virgo, as I said before, they are literally like the typical nerd, you know, like in Hollywood, they, they boil things down and do like a really edged, like, um, I lost a word. You you know what I'm trying to say, a stereotype. And sort of I keep thinking like, yeah, I think that's like the Virgo. You, you got a very smart individual that needs confidence because a lot of that story-based archetype is the nerd needs confidence. They look towards the jock. The jock gives them that confidence to be themselves. But during that process, the nerd is trying to be a, like the jock. And then, you know, during the end, the nerd figures out, okay, be myself as the nerd who I am comfortable and in confidence. Because that's also the thing is, you know, <clears throat> going back to the point I made earlier is, here's the key word for Virgo is confidence. When that confidence is misplaced and you're climbing up that social ladder, also carrying all that analytical data it, it's a recipe for disaster. So, Virgo, also purpose, is you like Scorpio. At, when you're dead and gone, you at least, notice I said at least, <laughs> when it's, you know, like a statue or maybe some type of plaque with a quote that you, you said that, that would help people out, you know, and, you know, um, in society, you want to leave something behind, you know, like I said, it's a bit modest, it could be the least, I don't know, <clears throat> y'all, individually, y'all could say a library, you know, so, remembering that is, is, um, what, what you keep in mind, like, at least like once or twice a year, not like all the time, because that type of concept is misplaced, you know, when you're dwelling on that all the time. So uh, I really do want to go back to uh, Gemini. Gemini um, is unique, just like Libra, you know, the... Unique, just like Aquarius. 
touch up real quick on Aquarius. Why unique? It's because these people are the underdog. They root for the underdog. They always find themselves doing something different, doing something innovative. That's why people uh, describe these people as innovative. It's because it's the difference, you know, uh, unlike the rest. And um, the re so going also going back to oh my god these people are like unique is like also you keep associating Aquarius with water but they're the water bearer and I believe that there is an element of that within them the water. The same way, it's like all these signs have a dichotomy. It's a air sign is with the water bearer and it's an element of it. Like the Virgo, the lady in the boat, but holding the grain that's for the people during their drought, during the needs that they, during the times that they need it. It's, a, you know... You don't know because I need to explain. Is Virgo has a desire to get out the boat. Virgo every now and then may look at the grain and be like, oh man, I'm the shit. I got it. And I can, you know, give it to the people or even worse, keep it for myself. It's like there's a supernatural element of putting the dichotomy together when the I guess the prophecy happens <clears throat> you know like what is the prophecy with Aquarius other than you know being the change is the connection of air <laughs> sign holding the water the, you know and the dichotomy of of uh, Gemini is um, both Feminine and masculine. It's like almost neither to be definite. Because um, that's that's um, the literal archetype of the duality of man is through Gemini. You know, um, social, you know, forest in our culture. Out of all the signs that came through that door after Taurus, and especially after Aries, was Gemini. Keep that in mind. <clears throat> it's for a reason. So, um, in Libra. Why is it unique? Because uh, the most obvious thing is we're, t we're, we're looking at an object a, a whole lot of time, uh, most of the time, virtually all the time. Uh, I I remind folks that, in fact, it is more than that. It is somebody holding a scale. And none other than that, they're blind. They've been blindfolded. And on top of that, they're holding a sword. The entirety of all of the pieces of 
cultural collective knowledge around the astrological meaning of Libra slash Virgo in its entirety. Because um, <clears throat> back in the day, before um, other um, interpretations and constellations were um, understood, the Virgo constellation is so huge, it is perceived to be a part of, before um, elaborated upon, Libra's constellation in that scale was a part of Virgo's archetype also is to keep the balance you know you don't want to fall out the boat it isn't like you're on the Titanic it could be even that metaphor could tell you something hmm about Virgo you know so that's, that's also the thing about Virgo is there's but so much knowledge because life is unpredictable and things happen with all the knowledge even even if you wasn't operating in confidence I believe the, there is always a possibility that the Titanic could sink because you could correct that mistake and not be in confidence and um, you know act upon this the situation or the objective in its appropriate way and, and avoid that glacier right so I know I'm talking a lot about the signs Oh, enough about the planet. <clears throat> so, um, Mercury, we're talking about the second densest planet in our solar system. And it's hard to believe because folks think, oh, Mars is so Earth-like. In fact, Mercury is denser. Naturally, because it is one closest to the sun reason why it doesn't burn up or just fly off course into the sun is because it is strong enough to maintain an exosphere, an actual atmosphere, unlike Mars. So um, <clears throat> Mercury is a mostly metallic planet. That's why it's also dense. And oh my goodness, if y'all don't know which planet is the densest, leave the science room now. You may leave the class. It's Earth. You're on it. You're so dense, right? Okay, it's okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Mercury. Isn't also the hottest, seeing that is the closest to the sun is actually Venus because of its inhospitable atmosphere, like we call greenhouse effect. But uh, there's a less degree of runaway greenhouse effect, unlike on our planet. 
and how supposedly the atmosphere repaired itself. <clears throat> Mercury um, doesn't have any moons. I don't know, Mars has two moons. One is going to collide with Mars sooner than the sun engulfing our planet. And Mercury is a bit extreme because all this dark side is still colder than Earth's recorded coldest temperature. I mean, on the dark side of Mercury is like the absence of heat all of a sudden. <clears throat> so... The point of entry is at the poles. Where um, sun exposure is uh, relatively not as extreme as if you can imagine that the hemisphere of Mercury. Um... Some other things just strictly about Mercury is um, I believe it has uh, 82 to 108 day annual year. You know, between those, those numbers, it's a whole Mercurian, as you will call people from Mercury, year. <coughs> so if you can imagine time dilation you're like super old on mercury all already you're already an old person <laughs> and um mercury retrograde to best describe it is retrograde is perception because um we're rotating and mercury is also rotating when uh, we look at Mercury, due to re all, all around relativity, it would perceive as if Mercury is moving backwards. In fact, it's not. never has. Because um, that's not how physics work, actually. So um, retrograde is all just perception. And you know how... Um, we uh, pick up overall data, you know, so it's, it's a bit misleading, but we know exactly what is happening. To best explain it, it's like, but more stable is like when you're looking at a car and I think if you're moving slowly and the car next to you starts to move slower you're looking at the rims of the car and it looks like the rims of the car are all of a sudden spinning backwards that is retrograde right there it's just a perception obviously you know the wheels of the car isn't all of a sudden moving backwards it's just um slowing down so um Y'all are wondering why or how is that? It's because 
planets, comets, asteroids slingshot around the sun. And and that's that's what's happening. The only planet, you know, obviously there could be more. I could think of off the top of my head that does less of a slingshot is Venus. Out of all the planets' rotation, it's the most circular. So, um, you know, other planets, their um, rotation around the sun is a little more oval-shaped. If you can imagine the farther the orbit is. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. I believe that's probably about it. You know, maybe if I sit in silence just a little bit more, I could keep breaking out some more little things about Mercury. One more things about Gemini, Virgo, or other, I guess, signs that I could see some connections between, depending on the element. And, um, I believe that's it.